So what were you just saying? Yeah, I was like, like, Desperado was a ripoff of Hard Target. Like, not in a, like, terrible way, but kind of like an homage. Like, I like the way you did that because John Woo does Western movies. Like, that's what he does. Like, all of his movies. It's like the showdown between two guys, but at the same time, like, the bad guy always has his, like, gang of guys. You know, um, even Face Off, uh, Sean Archer, who was really Caster Troy, wearing Sean Archer's face, had the entire FBI coming after Sean Archer wearing Caster Troy's face, which was Nicolas Cage. Right, the original bad guy was Nicolas Cage. Yeah, but, like, when it's the good guy as Nicolas Cage, like... The bad guy and the whole FBI come after him, even though it's like a shootout. It's going to be like the two guys going at it, but he brings the whole FBI. Hard target, you know, it's Lance Hendrickson, and he brings his gang of guys after uh, Chance Boudreaux. One man against unspeakable odds. Again, yeah, and it's like, it's like that classic, <clears throat> uh, not even, because like Wyatt Earp like had his gang and like his brothers and Doc Holliday. Like, in like these westerns, it's kind of like more Clint Eastwood. It was usually only like Clint Eastwood, like Pale Rider, it was just him against That's like, all, like against like the the mayor of the town and all of his goons. But he was pissed at the mayor of the town. He's like, "I'll kill all these guys just to kill you," and that was like, that's like John Woo's way of doing things. It didn't. It's I feel stupid because the Western thing didn't fully hit me until the very end. It was so Butch Cassidy of like. Yeah. He's holed out. It's like the shootout at the OK Corral. And, like, you don't even know his backup's coming, and his backup only ends up being yeah. his old ass I love that. It's like, what do we do now? <laughs> it's okay. We put arrows in everyone who's not chance, yeah? And then he walks in and gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> like, no help. No help. Hold out. In well, one he, place does, he does shoot the. How many guys? Yeah, he 20. He says it. <laughs> 20? He says. We're outnumbering him literally 20 to 1. Lance Hendricks says it to him when they're outside of Uncle Duvet's cabin before he blows up the moonshine in the house. He literally says we're outnumbering him 20 to 1. You're right. Yeah, he shoots the the candle, lights the moonshine, which catches on fire and, like, burns two guys alive. And then it lights a fuse to dynamite strapped to his fucking bayou den. (laughs) Best part of the movie, by the way. Brimley, home alone. Yo, the way so I just thought it was a perfect verb of like. There's been a lot of buzz on, like, Batman Beyond recently, <laughs> and some of it's because of like it's kind of like the cat eating its tail. So, Kevin Smith's show is now called Fat Man Beyond, and I and also the twentieth just came up. All this is to say. He like people have been asking him about the Michael Keaton thing of like, is Michael Keaton gonna come back? Like, what would you? Because they do a lot of wish list stuff on that show. Yeah. Like, what would you do if, you know, with a Michael Keaton Batman Beyond movie? And he was like, like I would love that. Oh my god, I would right? be super excited, dude. We should especially do whole... if he wore like the turtleneck and sat in the same chair from the first Batman with those big round glasses on. That's what would be fun about it is that you would be locked into Burton Beyond. Yeah, which I wouldn't want Burton to make it. No, no. But I want the, the, all that aesthetic to be brought to No, because, like, Burton was so influential. There are a, a million directors you could pick that, like, have definitely been influenced by Tim Burton's style, where they could do, like, the modern, updated, like, new, you know, from the church of Tim Burton uh, and still end up doing the same way. You just stick to a storyline, like Joker's dead. Yeah. Penguin's oh, dead. 
Yeah, you're, you don't, you're not locked into any kind of... Yeah, you're right. But it's beyond. <laughs> so, like, I mean, they'd all be close to being gone anyway. But then you could do that whole return of Joker. Mm. Oh, my God. All right, so... <laughs> See how this so quickly <laughs> turns when, when you give us such a broad topic? But people... I, it was just so perfect because someone came up with this idea of the, the villains of the Court of Owls... Like for that Beyond story of having like them come after the Batcave, knowing that Bruce Wayne is Batman, and Michael Keaton would have to what Kevin Smith, the way you put it, to Home Alone the Batcave, and I'm just like I can't stop thinking about that, and just how good of an idea then that brings you to like how good Home Alone is of. And it's also very Western too of like one man protecting his. You know, yeah. uh, unspeakable lies. He's a kid. He has no chance, yet he, you know, is smart enough. And But then just the fun cinematic experience. Watching someone rig something and or watching someone fall into traps. Why is that so fun to watch? It's just... And so it made me think Brimley Beyond. <laughs> it kind of is like the old man. You're The whole movie, you're like, where is this asshole getting his training? Uh, meaning Van Damme. And I just, because I tie everything to Batman or Batman Beyond, obviously, the last thing I'll say is just, like, on this is just, it, it made me think of, like, I want to see, number one, a series of chance, what is it, Boudreaux? Boudreaux, yeah. Boudreaux growing up on the bayou, getting trained, trained by, by un- Uncle Duvet <laughs> on how to make moonshine, yes. use his shotgun, shoot bow and arrows, and kick people like, in the face. How is he this good at fucking people up? I want to see that story. Why or is he a very such a hard target? <laughs> How is our target made? So and then, then number Wu two, did, this did... is like the beyond version of him because it's like the old man. Yeah, the old man. <laughs> One last time, just blowing it all up to save him. I It was just, I couldn't help but think about that. He totally home alones the bayou, though. He home alone the bayou. <laughs> I mean, it was, he used a little more danger in there. But yeah. I mean, I imagine if Kevin McAllister was a 75-year-old drunk man on the bayou wearing rain boots, white rain boots, mind you, the entire time, <laughs> he'd probably fight dirty, too. I also want to know, I'm not deeply, I'm not intimately familiar with that accent. He could be doing a terrible Creole accent. I don't know. It seemed okay. It seemed, like, great. I was like, wow. Like, Wilford Brimley was, like, a good pull for yeah. this role because, like, he <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> he really sounded very French and very Southern, and I yeah. take it that's the I idea, like, right? Yeah, I, I believed it. And, I mean, Jean-Claude Van Damme has, like, Belgium. <laughs> Belgium. Oh, yeah, one thing the I muscles wrote, from Brussels. Literally the only reason this movie takes place in New Orleans, you know for a fact, is just so that he doesn't have to do any kind of other accent. I know, you ever notice? You know, they just chose Van Damme and they were like, New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you notice in most of his movies, like like Bloodsport, Frank Dukes was from French Canada. French Canada? French Canada. Uh, French, Canada. French, Canada yeah. French Canada. So, it made sense. Frank right. Dukes. That's uh, why okay. he has the accent, because he's from French Canada. And in every <laughs> single other movie, like Kickboxer, his brother... They were brothers separated at birth because the parents got divorced. He moved with his mom to France, and his brother stayed in America with their dad. French accent. It's like every single so movie. they never try to explain it away. No. The only one they, like, just didn't get, like, the two that they didn't really give a fuck about was, like, Time Cop. 
but they're time traveling, so anything's possible. And it's also 94 by that point. 95 so or Everyone 96. knows who he is. It yeah, doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter. He's, a, he's McDonald's at this point. Yeah. And <laughs> then the other one was Universal Soldier. Also doesn't matter. Yeah, because it was kind of like, oh, it's Dolph Lundgren and uh, Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme in the same movie. Oh, and Ralph Moeller was in that, too. Who's Ralph Moeller? Um, so he's like, I'm trying to think. He was like the main bad guy in Best of the Best Part 2. But he's another German actor. He was like boys with Stol- uh, Schwarzenegger. Okay. But I'm trying to, uh, so Beer Fest. Never like, saw Beer Fest. You never saw Beer Fest? <laughs> I thought that was like the easiest way to explain who Ralph Moeller is. No, a lot of people were like, you're never, yeah. Well, he's one of like, when he's like, we'll send up our worst drinkers <laughs> against you at the beginning of the movie. Okay. And Ralph Moeller is like. It, they send up the two biggest human beings on earth and Ralph Moeller is the one with like the longer hair. Okay. But he's like a German born, like action hero, like pro body, what builder, like Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and he was, uh, in, and he was in uh universal soldier as well. He had a German <laughs> accent. So <laughs> there you go. They just had all types of foreign born United States soldiers. <laughs> yeah. It's like this guy. Yeah, why not? Yeah, Fuck it. He's Van Damme. He's in the U.S. <laughs> we brought, we reanimated dead bodies from three decades ago. We're fine. Yeah, while we're here, it's not, um, suspend all your de- that's belief. Movie. Definitely, Universal Soldier. <clears throat> Definitely talk about that. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, he's got know. like the ears around his neck and like, mm-hmm. like he, right? Doesn't Dolph Lundgren? Dolph Lundgren's one of like the psycho nom guys. Right? Yeah, because that was the whole thing. Like the backstory was like. They were in a unit together, like all those guys, or no, uh, Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme, and uh, Van Damme was like some like scared kind of private, and he was like the lieutenant that had been there for a long time, and he had like completely been shell-shocked, and he was just like killing people for fun, mm. and like they killed each other, some, I heard like got, they got attacked and they both died, but like yeah, he had like the ears around his neck, and when he came out of universal soldierdom and went reverted back to his old psyche he went uh he got shell-shocked again i watched that one recently fantastic it's good it's really good it is good who directed that do you know i do not off the top of my head surprisingly not important (laughs) but that was the thing like jean-claude van damme never really did big time actors or big time directors i was gonna say that's just more of a like this falls under a john woo movie Universal Soldier falls under Van Damme movie. Yeah, like, that's like, just... but that's like, but at the same time, like, it's kind of unfair to say it's a John Woo movie because, like, we only know John Woo for who he is because Van Damme got him from Japan and that was his first movie he ever did in America was oh, Hard Van Target. Oh, Van Damme was that involved in making the movie? Yeah, he was the one who got John Woo to do it. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, because at the time he was only doing movies in Japan, and uh, Van Damme you know, did movies all over the world, you know, like different countries he did movies. So he was like, this guy's awesome. Like, and he brought him to America. So and Van they Damme did... knew about him because Van Damme had an yeah. international. like that was his first American movie. Like Van Damme brought him to America and was like, look at who I found. And he's Japanese, you said? I think so. Okay. I believe he's Japanese. I don't want to sound no, ignorant right. to Asian culture. I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to speculate. Either. Maybe I Chinese. Just... Yeah. Woo. I don't know. Um, either way, that's a dope story. And that's interesting that Van Damme brought him into it. So talk more about, I have some specifics that I thought it'd be cool to talk about with action movies, but since this is a Van Damme slash John Woo movie, 
Uh, you just got a little bit into how John Woo, this was his first movie in America. So what was, what's the background of Woo prior to that? Did he have like success in Japan or Asia, wherever he was? Yeah, he was, he was pretty big time. Okay. Um, it was like him and Chow Yun-Fat worked together a lot and Chow Yun-Fat then came to America, like placement killers, like, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, (laughs) but yeah, like. A good one, like a good Japanese one, is called Hard Boiled, and that's with Chow Yun Fat, and he's like a, a detective who just like you know cracks skulls, shoots at will. <laughs> and this know, is like, a pre-hard target Japanese John Woo movie. Yeah, correct. Okay, and yeah. again to bring people in, I don't, I don't know if we've said it yet. Hard Target's ninety-three. Ninety-three. So anything pre-hard target's gonna be. So he was big like mid to late eighties in Japan. Probably like late 80s. Well, yeah, mid to late 80s. Because he did like a lot of like a couple time pieces, you know, like the traditional kind of like martial arts films. Oh, yeah? Oh, cool. And then kind of like got into his own thing where it was more like, you know, cops like like saw Die Hard and probably fell in love with it and was like, no, I'm going to do like this, but in Japan, like overseas, you know. And then combining, right. So it's like combining kung fu with guns gun fu yeah exactly isn't that what people isn't that like the name of john woo movies they classify it as like gun fu yeah. no that's what they've been talking well, about it's like john wick movies i guess yeah but so. at the same time like john woo movies are because like well, look at die hard or die hard um <clears throat> face off every single scene they like throw bullets at each other and they're right. like they're like throwing punches but they're like snapping bullets it's like <laughs> insane i'm surprised they weren't doing like curving the bullet in that movie the way they like would just like bam bam like unnecessary movements with guns incredibly and they jumped off of everything <laughs> i think at one point john travolta jumped off a four-year-old kid who was ducking under a pew in the church and he was like Stay there, little kid, and jumped up. Was like, whoopsh, whoopsh. it's like 250 pounds of Travolta flying through the air, throwing bullets at Nicolas Cage. Like, I can't believe you won an Oscar. <clears throat> nice. All right, so <laughs> action movies. One thing that hit me was that there's kind of it seems three pillars of action in an action movie. Not to say that every action movie needs to hit all three pillars, but. And tell me if I'm missing one, but it seems to be fighting, shooting, and car chases. I forgot the main one. What am I missing? Explosions. Oh, good call. All right. Because that's like a, the main thing in like every movie. There's always the cut scene where they go back and everybody's running around and <laughs> they blow up some sort of building they built. Like in good Hard call. Target, when he blows Hell, up yeah, Uncle, Uncle Duvet's place, when they're in the Mardi Gras uh, <laughs> graveyard literally every float blows up they're throwing grenades at each other at one point he drops a grenade in lance hendrick's pants and then headbutts him across the room and he blows up that's how he kills the bad guy by blowing him up good call um yeah either way this movie hits and definitely we just established with the explosions this hits all of those just like yeah and then there's usually like a pretty girl in it but like this one, they got like Yancey Butler. It's like, pfft, you're not like, that's terrible. But interestingly, like with John Woo, yeah, I mean, performance, we'll get to that. I, not <laughs> we'll, strong. No, not strong. Witchblade, not, not strong. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think like, I, I'm, I think John Woo is just going like, this is why you're here guys. And it is, but I, I guess back to the positive real quick, like. <clears throat> 
we talked about the East meets West thing, and that's pretty fascinating too. We even started off with the Western idea, right? So that's, you can't get more West than that. Then we got a little bit of his background. You're saying it was like more traditional Asian stuff. And then maybe he's like saw Die Hard started. <laughs> that's a perfect way to put it. it. You know, he did see it either way and is obsessed with action if he did. Um, of American action. So that combination. But what's interesting is that he keeps like what makes his action movies strong. What I'm trying to say is. What makes them uniquely woo and strong is that, like, you get really good fighting, really good friggin' shooting, as yeah. we've talked about. Plenty of slow motion. The slow-mo is great, especially for its time. I was thinking, like, this guy set the bar in a lot of ways. I mean, I you know, we talked about how Desperado is, without a doubt, a, a huge homage specifically to Hard Target. Um for for a movie that came out over 25 years ago at this point like you can tell people really really got their action game together like 80s versus 90s action 80s action's cool but like it's not nearly as well done as 90s action but you just think about the evolution of action like in the 70s it was all like san francisco cop movies like your dirty harry's yeah and it was just like right Two Ten hands on the gun. The like it's like car chases through the hills of San Francisco. Like that's what they had down back then was like the car chases. Like that was it. And then like the pow and people started doing like kicks in the 70s. And then the 80s like they were like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start blowing everything up. <laughs> then they got that down. And then in the 90s they were like, all right, we're going to get the shooting, the cop action, the the cars, the explosions, and we're gonna throw in like a hot chick, and, and we're gonna get again. and like, and now we've got kung like fu kung fu, like like we've got like like I hate to say it, but they were like we've got white guys that we can put in these movies. It's the David Carradine effect mm. from like Kung Fu: The Legend Continues. It's like we can throw this white guy who can do martial arts in these movies because that was huge then, like late eighties, early nineties. Like just looking at like Seagal, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, this Chuck is. I Norris. want to talk about this too. These are, and we we got it off mic. We talked about this yesterday, whenever we saw each other. But like, a very specific breed of actor slash action star. Yeah, are these guys who, and you know, even Schwarzenegger. You can't even necessarily include him because to even get more specific, because he's an action star and he's jacked as shit. Like he's physically challenged himself to become yeah. who he is but like i put him in fighter yeah him like, and stallone fighters yeah here. him and stallone are in their own class of action movies like those are just straight action movies you know right like the guys we're talking about those are like american martial arts films because like american like american action you have to have some sort of cop some sort of shootout like that's just our that's how we do everything in America when <laughs> yeah. it comes to action films, you know? And then, like, you can add the martial arts, too, and, like, but there's always some sort of, like, like cop, federal agent, like, some sort of element like that in, like, American action That's movies. a very good point. Because, like, the 90s was huge. I, like, I was talking about it. Like, you can go on Amazon Prime, and they have, like, <laughs> watch one 90s movie like that that's on prime and then it's like because you watch that movie there will be a list and you will find these movies that are so awesome like throw out like don't expect good acting don't expect like the greatest story in the world (laughs) but if you want to see like people like kicking the crap out of each other and then like wicked shootouts and some explosions like there's a million of them 
And it's like that was the time period for it. It was like American martial arts, like crime dramas. Wow. Yeah, I never thought to like put it all together historically like that. It really was the pinnacle of, and I also will say the end of an era as well where people were still willing to suspend disbelief and let go performance and go like, I don't need good performance. And if you show me some cool shit of like ridiculous action scenes, it's before people to a large extent started going, that would never happen. Oh my God. Like, yeah. I guess we're back to that a little bit with like some rock movies and some other kind of almost yeah. fantasy level. Action. I think rock is kind of like bringing that back a he little seems bit. To be, like, yeah. Look at the new trailer. For I the don't new watch Fast them, and the but... furious, like the Hobbs and whatever it is. Yeah. Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. Like literally like, uh, what's his face? Jason Statham drives a car out of a building and spins it so like a <laughs> rocket bounces off the bottom like to deflect so he doesn't get shot as he jumps from like a building to another building somewhere overseas like it's the most ridiculous thing but like I'm looking at it I'm like are you kidding me with this and then when the trailer's over I'm like yeah let's go see this I can't wait I'm jacked like like that's what it's all about that was the 80s and 90s action sure like nothing, none of this is real none of this would ever happen like, literally, hard target, they're hunting human beings in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, just what? don't worry about it at They're, all. like, not even being quiet about it. They're, like, <laughs> using, like, rockets and, like, 45, like the, <laughs> like, the biggest guns ever. They're riding motorcycles through graveyards in, like, a group of, like, 25 people, like a posse, like, going around hunting a human being. But don't you, like, wouldn't you say they're, despite, which is good news, like, The Rock and them bringing it back and... John Wick for sure. Oh, but John Wick's like, like a whole other demon. That's, that's a whole just, other. That's just its own. It's so good. But, but it's like you let the things thing go I've even seen in such that, a long time, right? Oh my god. We we th- that'll be over loophole too because he's '90s all the way. I mean, Keanu. We oh, Keanu's a whole all podcast 90s. about Keanu. Guys, man. Oh my god. Um, and talk about another guy who, especially what's fascinating about him, he did the whole like we're talking about guys who can actually kick your ass in real life like kung fu level ass this dude like batmaned himself and went to asia with like his bill and ted and speed money yeah. and was like oh, i'm going to be a legit martial artist everyone's like okay keanu he's like i promise when i get back to malibu i'll be awesome and he comes back it's like i fucking I, I, john way yeah he's like i learned half of this <laughs> during the matrix <laughs> I really did learn kung fu. Oh, you're right. That's what got him into yeah. it, right? Because that was that would have been the end of Keanu ninety. It literally was ninety nine that came out. Yeah, and how literally, you know how much money he got from that, and then he could just like go and be like what you know. Right, he was. He didn't Neo have to worry about anything at that point. So like, it's when he started like donating to everyone, taking care of anybody he could. And he like just started doing cool oh stuff. My God. Then he brought like did the movie The Man from Tai Chi. Like after he came from overseas, the guy who like taught him. Some of his martial arts did that movie with that guy. Was it uh, Thirteen Ronin? Is that what it was called? Okay, yeah. Forty Seven Ronin. Vaguely. Uh... Oh, if you've never seen that, that's really yeah. That's like uh, like a mythological, like ancient Japanese movie where it's like they defend themselves from like oh, like people... Ronin, Ronin. Yeah, and they oh, turn shit. like like people who turn themselves into dragons, and that's their martial arts style, and like. It's like the Ronin with their like samurai swords fight like normal, and he becomes one of them. What? It's, like, it's really, really good. Badass. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
So sorry. Back to Wu. Um, yeah, like I love the fact that he took Van Damme, who was, or I guess Van Damme put this movie together. Apparently, yeah. But either way, brought John Wu to America. <laughs> yeah, and the, and that East meets meets West idea. Um, yeah, and also like so. This is a movie, cinematic. It like fuck. Let's talk about camera work. Whole like t- yeah, visual that, storytelling. That's good lord. That's a big part of John Woo. Besides like just the action and like the over like the over the top stuff, but like just like camera the work. way he uses the close ups on faces like during stare downs and just like to set up like what's gonna happen next. It's Dude, some of the camera work is ridiculous. And ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. Like, watch movies in 1993. They're not doing that shit with no. cameras. Especially not in that genre of movies. Right. Yeah, he's taking it. You he's know what I mean? the least serious thing, taking it the most seriously. Yeah. That's why, like, that's why that movie was, like, great. It was so terrible. Like, you, like, <laughs> you, like step away for a minute. And, like, if you've seen it as many times as I have, because I've seen it so many times. Like... You step away and you're like, this movie is so bad. But at the same time, like, like it's awesome. Everything about it is awesome. The camera work, the explosions, the action. And the story, if you look at it without the performance, it's not bad. No, it's not the a terrible storyline. The story is line. actually great. They don't, like, porn movie it and just, like, no. throw, like, a generic whatever. They're like, oh, so, like, Nat comes down to New Orleans, you know, to, uh, to find her dad. And it turns out, like, he was hunted and killed. And, you know, another homeless guy that Jean-Claude Van Damme, who, like, helps her out, also gets hunted. He finds out. He's pissed. And you give a fuck about that guy when he gets killed. Yeah, you do. Because they set it up in the beginning with a really awkward, horribly acted scene between the three of them. But it doesn't matter because you set it up. Again, you let performance. That's, yeah, so, like. So it's not a wasted character at that point. Like, Like, the dad was kind of a wasted character until she comes in and says, like, that's my dad. But even still, like, who cares? Like, you saw him for, like, ten seconds. Yeah. He got shot with an arrow. But And then they make it all count, though, because, you know, then the whole movie ends up being about him. So it, yeah. they make up for it's it. It's like in honor of him. We're right. doing all of this in honor of Mr. <laughs> Binder, Binder, whatever his name is. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I'd say, beside performance and dialogue, I also think that John Woo, like, he's very... I, I, the amount, just think of the amount of time and effort he puts into everything else around that stuff. It's clear that he's just going like, I don't give a fuck. Like, if, if I didn't get the best version of Van Damme, you know, saying this line, I'm not going to Martin Scorsese this performance of like, Scorsese does like 45 takes with the best actors on the planet because, you know, let's try it again. Let's try it again. Like, dude, even filmmakers who work with him are like, can we move the fuck on, dude? Because, um, yeah, I mean, you don't have to do that. Give a shit. Yeah, he doesn't care about that part. Like, maybe he'll do 45 takes on, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme spinning heel kicking yeah. the shit out of someone because he wants to get all the angles so he can, like, replay it in slow motion four times and, like, with an explosion in the background. Like, yeah, like, he'll do that. But, yeah, but And you know what you're going to get with Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's got the accent. He's not that great of an actor. <laughs> he does funny dances, like in Kickboxer. And... You know, you're going to get 150,000 spinning heel kicks, and they're all going to be epic and probably some sort of split. <laughs> Did we, we didn't get a split in this movie, though. No, but you there got... There wasn't one split. I was very disappointed. You got that. the scene where he killed uh, 
Peck, the uh, the <laughs> Lance Hendricks assistant, the guy who played Imhotep in the Mummy movies with Brandon oh Fraser. Oh my god, that's who that guy was. Yeah, yeah he was wow. Imhotep. Imhotep. I forget his name, but anyway, there was the one scene where he like jumps and he like flies, slides under the table and like a very kind of like John McClane under the table and just shoots the crap out of him with a shot. Uh, I think he's got the M9 Berettas at that point. And he's just shooting the crap out of him, and he kills him, and he just does, like, the leg straight up and catches his body on his foot. Oh, good call. While the guy's like, uh, and he just, like, lets him die, catches the grenade out of his hand, and then flexes his foot and kicks him backwards 30 feet. So we got the Van Damme flexibility. You got the flexibility. And you got plenty of spinning heel kicks. Oh, my God. And you got, like, the epic, my favorite thing, where everyone, like, the guy pulls a knife, and he pulls his leg out from behind his jacket and <laughs> kicks everyone in the face. <laughs> it's, like, the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> Just the fact that, like, the, that whole intro of him <sighs> explaining who Chance Boudreaux is is great. Like, the close-up on his mullet yes, that goes halfway down his back. Let's get into detail on this. Okay, so... How do we first meet him? Explain, because this is just... All right, so we're at the diner <laughs> in this uh, Louisiana town, New Orleans, I guess, whatever, wherever they're at. Very French Quarter-ish. Very French Quarter-ish. The close-up on the giant mullet, so it's slick back, <laughs> wavy and greasy, and then it spins around, but you don't see his face yet, and then goes to his left ear that has a tiny gold hoop in it. Of course, this is 1993. And then spins back around to unveil Jean-Claude Van Damme, <laughs> stubbly face, eating gumbo. And then he complains about the gumbo and pays the lady eight cents for it. <laughs> How's that gumbo, Chance? What did he say? <laughs> he goes, it was a tragedy. <laughs> this gumbo was a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> tragedy. And he goes, the coffee was tolerable. <laughs> He's like, you going to pay for that? I have to pay. <laughs> this is the worst dialogue. And the perform I mean, almost awkward. Like, you feel bad <laughs> for the people watching this being shot. But then you're just like, no. Because in 30 seconds, he's about to light the... <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's, he's about to start this party. <laughs> you're about to understand what that look represents. <laughs> It's 1993, and he came to kick people in the face. So I can't believe we're just getting to, we've been recording for 30 minutes, we're just getting to, I'm going to make another Batman reference because I'll never stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Gotham City is a character unto itself in Batman. It's an inanimate object personified as someone who is a character in in the story that mullet is a fucking character in this movie dude there's scenes where you know like he was like no let's do another take because the mullet didn't look right i mean well like some of the the especially like the slow-mo spinning kicks you know it's to get that mullet yeah that's right like a, that's a whole different form of martial arts on itself like mullet martial arts like, it's not even just, like, like all of his kicks and his punches and his hi Because he always makes those funny grunts. But, like, the head whip, the <laughs> neck spin to get, like, that mullet to snap around. Like, it leads and finishes every spinning heel kick. And what makes it 
snap more is that it is a mullet because the top of it never moves. The top of it never <laughs> moves. It. Never moves. The back you just like side mo. to side. It sides to side because it's slicked. It's got too much whatever he's using. Aquanet. What is the product, by the way? Moose. Was that big in like the early 90s? I think I used to use moose in the, I remember like the third moose, grade. But moose didn't keep it greased. Like that shit was. Yeah, that shit was slick. (laughs) (laughs) That shit was slick. Like literally slick. He let his soul glow (laughs) in the hard target. Oh my god! And I, especially in the very beginning, I'm like, well, maybe he's just. Clearly, it's a mullet style that no one ever rocked now. But like, maybe they just have it combed in at the top. It's like, no, once he starts fighting, you see it in slow motion. It's like, no, the top of that shit is short. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of it's long. It may be pushed back, but it, like, doesn't <laughs> connect to the rest. It's like its own entity. It's it's two hairstyles in one. It's, that's why they call it the 1090. The, and then literally two the minutes later, the, the business in the front. Party in the back. <laughs> the Mississippi mud flap. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> And then literally two minutes later, fucking the one of the bad guys that he's fighting has the meanest brunette mullet. <laughs> <laughs> There's mullets all over that place, all oh over. Oh my god! And then like the like early '90s like rich guy who's like hunting the humans. He's like wearing his like five thousand or however much an expensive. Uh, Trench coat costs like fancy blue with the big shoulder pads, holding his fifty caliber, <laughs> trying to shoot a homeless guy. Oh, Just yeah, think about that. Guy. That is so one percent of him. I'm gonna yeah, wear. Wow, that's so on the nose. <laughs> oh my God. Gonna wear my custom-made trench coat while I shoot you in the back with this fifty caliber from thirty feet, homeless man. Yeah, that fucking gut he's got, and then what's his name? Who's the, who is the guy, what's the actor's name who's the main bad guy? Lance Hendrickson. And who is he, what Lance horror Hendricks? movie is he from, from the 90s? Um, As I look at him and I immediately know he's from a horror movie. He did a bunch. Remember. He was in the, I can't, I was trying to think of the name. Uh, it was the one with, it wasn't Cujo, not the Stephen King dog movie, but the one with like the, um, they like genetically enhanced a dog and it was like. I can't. It was the same dog from like the Sandlot. That kind of dog. They genetically okay. enhanced him. I forget what I the hell the movie's called. I'll just. Yeah, we got cell phones. That's with true. Information. I also saw while you're looking that up, Sam Raimi was a producer on this. <coughs> yeah. Um. His brother was. His brother was in the movie. Yeah, I saw that. I. Yeah. And it took me a second. I'm like, why do I know that guy? And literally in the credits, it said man on the street. Yeah. He's like, I ain't got no money. Yeah. When the guy's just trying to find, like, when he's in the street. Yeah, when they're hunting the uh, the black guy. And he's, like, looking for help. He's like, please help me. And he's like, I ain't got no money, man. This just seems like a random movie for him to produce. Right? Like, Sam Raimi producing some big action movie. I guess this wasn't that big, though, back then. Um, no, I mean, by the way, the universal logo, like how about that, that nineties universal logo, dude, how much nostalgia does that? Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> I, that just sounds like fucking home to me, dude. 
Um, in the beginning, the spinning arrow close-ups. How oh, badass yeah. is that shit? Yeah, that's, I mean... That's like comic book shit, dude. Oh! That just, and again, ahead of its time. That felt like a very modern, like, straight out of a movie now that they would do. Yeah, I mean, that's why John Woo's great. I mean, he didn't have, like, he didn't do a ton of movies in the U.S., but, like, the ones he did, for the most part, were really good. Oh, and by the way, you probably recognize him because he's Bishop in Aliens. He's the android. Who is? Lance Hendrickson, the main bad guy from Hard Target. Oh, that's probably what it is. Oh, shit. He's Bishop in uh, Aliens. Nice. In uh, James Cameron, Aliens. (laughs) How about... In the beginning, the Creole music playing with her blue Firebird convertible. Oh my god, that was so 90s. How much sax was played in 1993 between <laughs> Lethal Weapon and this shit? Well, that's, that's what every, everyone ripped off Lethal Weapon. Everyone was like, yeah, we gotta put like, like basically saxophone porn music in every action movie. <laughs> And that girl in the beginning, she's the main antagonist, our protagonist. She is the biggest overactor. Her face, the whole movie. Oh my is god, just, she is terrible. Like it all, it, there's one expression. It's just shock. <laughs> Everything is shock for her. She's sad. She's shocked. Um, <laughs> she just. <gasps> <laughs> Yancey Butler. It's because she she did uh like right around that time. I forget what year it came out, but uh Drop Zone. You ever see that with Wesley Snipes? No. Where like these guys were they rob like a uh, an FBI or a DEA like That's ma- not the Dennis Rodman movie, is it? No, 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 no. no. That's that's John claude Van Damme. Oh yeah. And he Dennis did another Rodman. one Simon says with uh Dane Cook. Oh my god. But uh no, this one was Wesley Snipes <laughs> and her. And these uh, Gary Busey was one of like the bad guys. Okay. Um, they were robbing like they were using they were parachute dropping in to uh, rob, like they were yeah, skydiving and like landing on like government buildings and going in and stealing like precious information. So he was like uh, Wesley Snipes was like an undercover fed, and he had to learn how to like skydive to like catch these guys. So it's Point Break. Basically, but it only <laughs> none of the other fun stuff. Oh. No surfing. Uh, no beach fights. It was just, it's all sky- beach fights. <laughs> it's all skydiving. <laughs> like, hey, you don't say bank robbing. No, you say beach, beach fights. Beach fights, because that was the best, like, one of the best scenes in the movie. Anthony Kiedis, War Machine. <laughs> oh, so good. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Dude, the slide guitar intro of Van Damme's mullet when we were talking about before. Man's best friend is the horror movie I was thinking of. Okay. Genetically enhanced dogs. Definitely didn't see that one. <clears throat> He's in Aliens, obviously. He was in the show I remember because I was a huge X-Files nerd. <laughs> he was Frank Black in the movie Millennium. Frank Black. It was a show called Millennium. What was Millennium? So he... Uh, basically, it was like... Uh, he was a character on X-Files... That like did like weird stuff like that, like looked into like X Files things, but his main thing was um uh fables of like the end of the world and like how the world was gonna end. And it was like it came out in like nineteen ninety five, ninety six, and was leading <laughs> up to the millennium. Yeah, you know, everybody I mean, there were was a couple movies like that, yeah. This is a TV show on Fox. Oh, never mind, I'm not remembering this. Didn't last long. Okay. It's probably like sixty or seventy episodes. Three seasons, I guess that would be on Fox. 
But it was pretty good. I mean, he's got that face where you're like, oh, pretty freaked out by him. No, yeah, he's scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was good casting for him. Oh, yeah. Because he's not like an A guy, but he's he's definitely got a, he's got his like fanboy crowd, especially from Aliens. Yeah. No, yeah, true. Uh, he was good. Uh, how about <laughs> the driving force of the plot for Van Damme in the beginning is getting $217 to, to, <laughs> to pay his union dues? Uh, if I help you, you must pay me $217. Cash. Okay. She just says, okay. Like, 217 bucks. Okay. Well, because before that, she offered him 100 a day to help. So he, he needed the extra up. 17 Like, all she did was see this guy kick some ass around town and save her. And she's like... Well, he was respectful enough to return her purse. Oh, right. So Therefore, she saw that he was a good soul as well. And did you see the ass in the jeans? His ass or hers? His. Oh. <laughs> Your face! If the audio people can see his face right now. I'm just saying. She can't turn down. Like a gigolo, basically, for 217 bucks. And he yeah, was there for more than two days. Sweet ass, yeah. That mullet to go with it and the earring. Just class. French accent. Yancey Butler. She's nothing. She's like a four. <laughs> well, next to Van Damme, she's more than a four. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> she just annoys me. Well, yeah, she cannot ask. Because her name is Yancey. Sure. Yeah, why is her? What kind of name is Yancey? Stupid one. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there's a slow-mo. Okay, let's talk about slow-mo. There is How a much sl- time you got, buddy? <laughs> Dude. Like. It's the name of John Woo's game. There Slow is mo a and slow-mo dubs. shot for every fucking thing that happens. Yeah, they replay every scene in slow-mo. It's literally like a porn movie, like a pop shot. They go back and replay it. Like it's like, <laughs> it's like every time there's a there's a nut scene, they rewind it and replay oh. it in slow motion. I mean, dude, there's a slow-mo shot even when he's walking back to her Firebird to take the $217 job. Yeah. Like, just like, oh, this guy again. For no reason, just... Like, why? And then right after said scene, in the car, what kind of name is Chance? Well, my mama took one. My mama took one. Oh my god. I remember <laughs> That's like the best line. That's like holy shit. That's a solid line from that movie. That is. I mean, cuz that movie's chock full of them. I mean, they're mostly Uncle Duvets. I think everything Uncle Duvet says in that movie <laughs> is solid gold. <laughs> you He's like, you stop here. I'll take care of these bad guys. <laughs> you stop. You let this go. I take care of these bad guys. <laughs> bad guys. Uncle Duvet, I've got men at me, after me. I know. I smell them. <laughs> I smell what? them. You can smell these men after your uh, nephew. <laughs> Do you still have your thirty-eight odd? No, it's gator food. But I have your shotgun. <laughs> well, perfect. 
People from Louisiana probably rolled their eyes so hard at that. He literally is like, a gator ate it. <laughs> a gator ate it. It's gator food. Blah, blah, blah. I drink moonshine. I wear rain boots. <laughs> I have diabetes. I didn't realize moonshine. I guess that's like all over the South, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, I would think so. Yeah, it's I mean, Louisiana is right next to fucking Mississippi, yeah. I figure it's all over everywhere. There's a way to make booze. Well, I guess I guess the South, well, I mean, it's probably 50-50 who's making booze and who's making meth. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what, uh, what part of the South. But I just think it's so fascinating, like, that culture of French people being in the South. It's such a weird mix to me. I just think French people well, are so the like Louisiana dainty. Purchase. No, I know it's like who they are and shit. It's just in my mind of like a Jersey wasp of, from America. It's like to think about my stereotype of a French person is like, you know, erudite, kind of like uh, xenophobic, kind of like get the fuck out of here. I am French and better yes. than you, like superior. I invented democracy. Right. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> like I that's know your how stereotype. Better than you. <laughs> But then you have, like, the opposite of that in my mind, which is an American from the South, which is probably not an accurate stereotype either because I'm from the North and I have a Yankee, you know, outlook. But it's just funny to, like, see the stereotype of a redneck meets the stereotype of a French person to me is fascinating. Yeah. I'd just love to like see. Whole... It, it really wants makes me want to go to, like, New Orleans now and experience that. Yeah, just all Louisiana. It's, like, very, like, French Quarter, like, like Creole and Cajun. Like crazy. Uh, it's so funny. It's just, it's great when they depict it in movies, like, so over the top like this. Like, yeah. Because 90% of the time, that's how it's depicted. <laughs> right. Like, super, like, a gator ate my 30-odd six. Yeah. Oh, wee, wee, wee. <laughs> Let's throw a little spice in there. <laughs> Crawfish, wee, wee. <laughs> the bayou. Um... Come on my my airboat. <laughs> airboat. <laughs> there were no airboats in this. Where was the airboat? There no, there was no airboat in it. He saved a ton of money though there. That would have been anything on water costs a ton of money. Let's talk about that too. This didn't seem like beside explosions. It seemed like this was pretty low budge. Yeah. I mean, not low budget, but it wasn't high, like what we ended up seeing in later 90s movies, like totally. It's definitely not face-off high budge. It's definitely no, not. No, no. Well, you can see that just, well, because it's also one, like His this first is movie here, first movie right? in America. So are not going to give him a ton of money. So you're getting Jean-Claude Van Damme budget, like which is still like, like he's great in an action sense, but he's not a guy who's <laughs> going to get like, like Leonardo DiCaprio is going to get a budget on a movie. You know, like, he'll do low-budget movies, but at the same time, like, like he's going to get a high-budget movie based on that actor, and then they'll find a director, or he'll pick one, whatever. But, like... Like, you really see the progression of budget with time of being like, oh, John Woo knows how to make a fucking movie. From this to face-off, and then especially, like, he did Broken Arrow, right? That's John yeah. Woo. Yeah. I mean, that's... You can't get more high-budget than nuclear fucking soldiers and shit. Yeah. And it, like, went off in the movie. The nuke went off. Yeah. And they show that. Right. They had Howie Long, former linebacker, 
Yeah, that was a high budget. No, yeah, was, well, call. that was the whole thing. You got to think like like what face off? You had Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, like kind of at their peak. Yeah, you know, and like so John that was Travolta. Ninety six, ninety five. That was ninety seven. Yeah, yeah, ninety seven. No, because yeah, because I was going into eighth grade. It was the summer of ninety seven because I saw it at a drive through in California. Broken Arrow. Oh, not Broken Arrow. Uh, face off. I think face-off was earlier. That was definitely 97. Yeah? All definitely right. 97. Well, then they were close because it's just, yeah, they, God. So then what was, the, what was like, later? Did, did he keep doing movies into the 2000s and stuff? Like, what's recent John Woo look like? It's not very good, unfortunately. It's not? Well, I guess we don't have to get into it if it's not great, but I mean, there's I'm like interested couple, to see what happened. Like, like post-Broken Arrow, I couldn't tell you what he made. So, like... Yeah, kind <clears> of. <throat> um, while you're looking that up, like, not... how about the freeze frames? I thought. Speaking of, cam- we were talking about camera work before. So, and we also talked about the plot of like humans. <laughs> these guys, it's. It's pretty much the the plot of Hostel of like rich guys who pay money to hunt humans, but in a different setting. Mm-hmm. Um, Correct. I so that one part where they're hunting. I I, I don't want to just say the black dude because I forget his name. But the, who's the black homeless guy? Um, he's the other homeless guy. Yeah, there's a couple homeless people in this, but he's the one guy who we talked about before. It was like good storytelling because you met him with Van Dam. Like Van Dam knew him, so you cared about him. So his Roper, d- Roper, I think so. So his death counted and and all that stuff. But yeah. he, and he like gave. He gave Yancey Butler back her dad's uh, shopping cart filled yeah. with garbage. Oh right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good call. And that's when she got all sad and like, oh my god, this is my, this is what's left of my father's. Like, yeah. I was living out of a shopping cart. That to me was like, I honestly thought like how depressing that would be to like learn that that was happening to your father. That would suck. Yeah, um, and he was like a pretty well decorated soldier. I think it was kind of like coming off of that still, like post nom, like that born on the Fourth of July kind of like. Like, lack of respect for, like, the guys who went off and fought this war and got blamed for it when they got drafted and forced to do it. And all, all they true, did was by the just, way. They just tried to come back alive in, like, the scariest situation possible. Yeah, true, because those guys would have been in, like, their early 40s by this time, early to mid-40s. Like, they would still just be kind of younger men. Yeah, because if you think about it, like, Rambo... Like he, he was just fresh back, and that was like like early eighties. Wow! So like ten years later, yeah. So if they were in their thirties then, like in the eighties, obviously in the forties. Even if they're in their fifties, yeah, you know they're still and they're still suffering from that kind of stuff. That's why they're homeless because they never dealt with the, like whatever issues they had. Who knew Hard Target was really about something? Who knew there was all this depth and emotion in Hard Target? I'm sure John Woo put all that thought into this. Yeah, he was just like, yeah. He was probably just screaming, hey, mullet, kick that guy in the face. And he was like, gotcha, buddy. All right, so he did Hard Target. Well, that movie Hard Boiled was 1992. That was the last movie he did before he came to America. Okay. And then Hard Target, 93. Broken Arrow, 96. Face Off, 
97. Oh, so bro, well then that's why I messed it up. So yeah. cuz I thought Broken Arrow was after. Broken Arrow came first. What? Cuz so I saw both of those in the theaters. Yeah, so that's why Face Off probably got an even bigger budget cuz that budget was ridiculous. And I mind remember you, doing a double feature one night. We did Broken Arrow and then Mr. Holland's Opus. What? I don't know. What why. a combination that is. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus and Christian Slater. <laughs> Two opposite movies. Both Princess great movies, Toadstool. Ugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a that's a weird. Isn't that a, a good movie night. though? I haven't seen it in a while. Holland's well, Opus. I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, I'm not into things involving people's opus. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Face Off '97. He did Mission Impossible Two, which I remember. Oh yeah. I was not a big fan of that. Yeah, Tom people Cruise weren't. With the long I didn't hair. have a problem with it. It seemed to me like, all right, was, at least they're making it more actiony. I mean, Mission Impossible that first one was no, good, but it was I definitely agree. Too the step slow up, and too cerebral for a Mission Impossible yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, it was it was too much. I definitely agree that it was nice to see the step up in the action, but it was just like it was too much. Like with the his slow motion and like the car scenes where like Tom Cruise is like. I don't know. I, I just, don't know, dude. Those motorcycle scenes at the end—that shit was yeah, badass. Yeah, like, like it had it. It had its I guess badass. I, I guess it's, it's been a while since I've seen it. It's a John Woo movie. I keep trying to watch it because it's on like Stars or one of those, and I got cable now. Yeah, you know, I'm all married with a kid, so I like, <laughs> watch normal TV. But uh, yeah, I mean, I try. It's it's just it it doesn't keep me long enough. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like that whole scene with the knife fight where the knife tip is like literally right over his eye and he does that super close up and then like shoots out real quick and it's like like that was the beginning of Tom Cruise doing all his own shit. Yeah. Like I don't even think in MI1 he was going like he was doing stuff. No, but there was like some ridiculous stuff like he like a helicopter blew up and he like landed or a train blew up and he landed on the the front glass but i don't think that was still when they were like i still don't think they were quite doing everything the way they were doing like after that when he started to really lose it and be like there is no such thing as cti i am this movie like i don't know maybe that wasn't that was that wasn't until probably like mission impossible 2 it started yeah because it started started with that scene where he's where he's doing the rock climbing and he's holding on with one hand (laughs) with no rope and he's like actually doing it, and everyone's like, "Why would you do that? Like, you're a twenty million dollar man now." It's what like, was the one in the Tom new, Cruise. the new fucking? <laughs> All right, sorry. The newest one I heard. Did you see the newest Mission Impossible? I did not. I didn't. Either. I want to see it though. I did like, too. Because like I don't mind. Like I get it. Like. Like, it's just gone out of control. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm all for out of control. Like, this, like, basically what we're going to be talking about for the most part is out of control. Yeah. So, I'm all for it. Like, I love how people have just kind of, like, are like, yeah, let's just go for it. Like, who cares? Good point. Those MI movies really are kind of another remnant of the 90s action of, like, who gives a fuck? Yeah, and and they're cool because it's almost like it's an anthology series because, like, like yeah it's always him it's always ethan hunt and then like you know uh ving rames is pretty much in all of them and now simon Pegg is in most of them and you have like a couple of key characters but the story's always different good call they're not really like like in one of the newer ones like the newest one what was it like the ghost ghost recall 
whatever they were, but it was like the secret group that was like basically striking back at him for all the missions he's ever done. But before that, it was like all the missions were separate and different things. Yeah. And that's what made it cool. So you could like push the envelope any way you wanted, and they always found a new way to do it. Like, I always liked those movies a lot. The yeah, third one's very great. 90s. What's up? The third one's great with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, oh, my God. Well, you know, the third one is J.J. Yeah. Yes, it is. ton of... With the rabbit's foot. Oh, oh man. It's where they're, like, movie. launching the balls across the building, and then he swings. That was awesome. Sliding down. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, Mission Impossible 3 was dope. It's... I'd say, of, like, film-wise, it's the best film of all of them. The rest of the, after that, and even like the Wu one and one are like, they're great action movies. They're great Mission Impossible stories. But like, that to me also, what I liked about three, and I literally watched because I was like, all right, I forget what it was. Oh, okay. It started with the show. I discovered, I think Amazon was running the old show, the 60s show. Oh, yeah. Fucking. And. We watched the pilot of me and my mom watched like the pilot and then the second episode. <clears throat> the pilot opens with this shot and you think it's it's really clever camera work and you think it's this guy walking toward you and it's then they pull out and it's like a reflection and you you realize it's a mirror that you're looking at. Fucking JJ opens the movie with like the same shot. Yeah. There's just all this crazy deep love for the original and then, like, the fuse going through, the... The music is closest to it in that movie. The opening's closest to the old show in that movie. And you're like, oh, yeah, because this is the guy who's going to end up giving us... Bringing Star Trek back, fucking Star Wars back. Like, he's bringing everyone's childhood back. Yeah, and he loves them so much. That's why, like, those are the guys you need to do it. That's why, like, I like the Rob Zombie, like, Halloween remake so much, because that guy loved those movies. And he was just like, I'm going to do my own version. And I'm going to make, but I'm going to stay true to it because I love it so much. I'm just going to like do it a little my way. Like that's what makes a good remake. Like if you have somebody do it that like loves it. That's why, yeah, that's probably why that is the best one. Man, that one was sweet. J.J. Abrams is awesome. (laughs) Fucking J.J. And speaking of 90s, we could do 90s J.J. too because he is fucking regarding Henry, dude. He wrote that movie. That was his breakthrough. Wow, I did not know that. That is his breakthrough. He wrote one of the best movies ever. Have you ever (laughs) seen that movie? Yeah. It's so good. Harrison Ford? It's such a goddamn good movie. Like, I, as a kid, saw it and was obsessed as a young fucking child. Just like, someone explained it to me. I'm like, oh my god, we gotta watch that. And then I watched this. This is... And ever since, I haven't seen it since, I still know it's one of those movies where like, I don't know if that holds up or not. I just know. I know it's a great movie. It will forever... And then I've also heard a bunch of like reviews and stuff since. People are like, it's a great movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. It is great, right? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a really good movie. Because I haven't seen it since for, since then, but I'm like still positive it's great. Oh, my God. He was like 19 or some bullshit when he wrote it. Like so young. I had no idea about yeah. that. A little J.J. Abrams trivia for you. <laughs> but that would be an interesting one to do, too, because he's not, you know... He really made his breakthrough in the 2000s. That'd be fun. 90s JJ. Anyway, we're way off topic. Well, that's kind of like, what's his face too? Peter Jackson 90s is awesome. What's 90s Jackson? Like, 
uh, Dead Alive. Oh yeah, that's when like call. New New Line Cinema signed him, like because they were like huge at that point because of all the Freddies and the Jasons, and they were doing like a ton of stuff. And they signed Peter Jackson because they were like doing a lot of horror. And his first movie was like one of the goriest like like kind of pseudo comedy horror movies of all time. And then like they lock him down. He did The Frighteners with Michael J. Fox uh, and Jake Busey, which I love that movie because it's like cartooning at the same time. It's like it's very demented. It's very dark. It's like a comedy but like dark horror. Com- it's weird to explain, but if you watch it, it's like some of the characters are in it are so messed up. It's awesome. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, what else is this Peter Jackson guy going to do? And like, I remember watching like the, the uh, <laughs> Freddie documentary and the owner of New Line was like talking, like they were asking like, what is this guy going to do? He's only done like two or three movies for us. Like, what are we waiting for? And he was like, well, he's got a contract to do 10. So he's got to stick with us. And he's like, I'm not going to cut his contract. We're just going to hold it. And then all of a sudden, the Lord of the Rings happened. And then the Hobbit happened. And now New Line Cinema is like, we got that money. We got Wait, it. New Line put out, they got yeah, Lord they, of the they, Rings because of him. They signed wow. a contract. He had to do ten movies with them. So he did like the first two or three, I think it was, three or four. And he owed them more movies. And so the next three that he did were... The three Lord of the Rings and then the three Hobbit movies. Oh my god! That was the whole thing. Like, uh, <laughs> I think they, like, I'm about to make you more money than you've ever dreamed. Yeah, because welcome cause, to Middle Earth, bitches. Because <laughs> with with the Lord of the Rings money, they bought the rights to do a Halo movie. And originally, Peter Jackson was going to do a Halo movie, and then that got scrapped, and he did uh, the Hobbit. Huh? So they were like, okay, cool. So we'll just do the. We'll just do the prequel to the, the last hundred billion dollars. <laughs> Sweet. Even if it nets half, we win. Oh, shit! All right. So hard. Anyway, target. back back to hard. Back to Jean Claude Van Damme back and hard Jean-Claude. target. No, this is good though because I knew we would go off, and you know, I, I think what's fun about the show is that it's eighties, nineties as a theme, like. There's so much to cover that, like, and also with the movies that we're talking about, like Hard Target, these aren't exactly, you know, in-depth, uh... No. They're fucking 90s action movies. Like. No, it's like, it's like a, a general kind of topic. <laughs> yeah. And, like, even though we're talking John Woo a little bit and some Jean-Claude Van Damme Hard Target, like, you're gonna spin off because, I mean, it leads into so many other great action films. <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't talked about any other, like, like really get into any other JCVD. Well, yeah. I'm surprised that's the first time I said JCVD. JCV- I was going to say, we could have started off, like I had in my notes here, like, we could have started off with, um, why don't we do that for, like, a, a Van Damme-specific episode and then get into, like, his background? Because I'm really fascinated to hearing, like, how he came up and his first movies. Like we could really get into Van Damme alone. Yeah. Um, but I guess cause we're on like an hour now. Do you want to just finish this out with hard target or we could do Van Damme, whatever. No. Yeah. We can just, <clears throat> I, th- I think what we're doing right now, as long as we try to stay on, on point with some more hard stay target. on target, hey. stay on hard target. <laughs> no, again, it doesn't really the WPIX we Sunday movie, Madden. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about those, dude. I, 
in fact, part of my notes was like noting how many of the scenes I knew <laughs> that were in this movie. Like half my education, the reason probably this podcast could exist is because of my memory of these movies, which comes from WPIX going hard target, the Saturday matinee movie. And it would just be like, for example, the shot of <laughs> you're talking about grenades and explosions. The shot of him jumping out again, always jumping, jumping yeah, oh, out, it's slow motion, <laughs> slow motion through glass out of a room as a grenade's flying into it. And then the explosion, of course, follows him. Shit yeah. like that. And that's that's the scene As where going he rolls like and slides. He turns that whole situation into a death move. He turns that scenario where he's jumping through a window for protection of his life because there's a grenade hurled towards him after a guy behind him also dropped the grenade. So it's like dual explosions happening, and he turns it into a death move. It's good old JCVD. Oh my god. Uh, that yeah, that was scene... funny because that's what you said you remember. You're like, I remember him jumping through the scene with like, I think he's got handguns. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's got the dual M9 Berettas. <laughs> that's right, with the extended clips. Which is another wooism. The double handgun? That's in all of them. All that, of that's them. the best part in <laughs> Face Off. Like, I remember that, like that summer, because it was the summer before I went into eighth grade. I was in California, and we're at a drive through movie theater watching Face Off. And it was great because, like, my mom and, like... And as my, a Jersey kid, I mean, especially Jersey and from the time, we're not, like, older people. Like, drive-ins are... There's one in all of New Jersey. It's in South Jersey, right? I didn't it's even like, know there was one exactly. in New Jersey. Like, there's... We, we, it's not like we grew up in drive-in movies. No. So this was a big deal for you to see. Yeah, it was huge. Movie. Like, they were like, oh, there's a drive-in movie. I was like, oh, we got to go there. And there was only, like, two movies playing. And, like, we were visiting my mom's cousin and her husband, and they're three little kids uh and literally my mom's like oh why don't we go see face off because john travolta and nicholas cage are in it they're really good actors and i'm like looking up like let's go see that let's go see that (laughs) she doesn't know what it's about (laughs) and i'm like i want to see this so bad they're like yeah that's a great idea let's go see the movie with john travolta and nicholas cage not expecting their faces to come off be switched and then have like the most epic 90 minute dual handgun battle <laughs> with gold handguns yeah well the uh, casters are, are gold sean archer just rocks the standard fbi issue because he's fbi he's fbi and that has like the best scene like one of my favorite scenes of any movie where the shootout and caster troy's like lair and they put the headphones on the little kid and it's playing somewhere over oh, the rainbow my God. and that's all you hear as like everyone dies like his uncle, like the little kid's uncle gets shot in the neck and he's bleeding out of his neck holding it with an assault rifle just or an SMG just laying down. I'm like, this is so cool. Like even still when I watch it, after seeing it 150 times, like I still get goosebumps during that scene. So cool. Yeah, again, another unique thing about Woo movies, it's because it's art meets action. That camera work and that, just that conceptually of like, I'm going to play a beautiful song, that dissonance of like beauty versus and the doves and yeah, like it's, it's peaceful. Like, it's meets. The de- it shows like the death of innocence. You know, he's listening to like this song. He's what, five years old, six years old. And he's watching everybody around him. Like the 
family that he grew up with. Even though they're criminals, they're still his family. He's watching them all die in front of him. Like, and that spawns him to probably become a criminal if, like, Sean Archer didn't take him in because it was all done by cops. So he's going to think the cops are bad. They killed his family. Which, again, is weird because, like, there's not a lot of performance. So you're not getting your art that way, but, like, visually, this dude is telling beautiful stories. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, in that, like, that, like, Nicolas Cage, I think, was really good in that. I don't think, like, like, John Travolta bothers me in that movie. Not a fan. Yeah. Not a real big John Travolta guy anyway. No. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. A couple others, but for the most part, not a big John Travolta fan. But, like, Nicolas Cage was sweet in that. Like, I love Nicolas Cage. He is a terrible, terrible actor that sometimes pulls shit out of his ass. <laughs> but for the most part, he goes so over the top, it's fantastic. Mm. Fantastic. In, like, I'm going to laugh at this movie even though I'm not supposed to. Fantastic way. Like, I just watched that new one, Maggie, he did. Okay. It literally, like, like I'm pretty sure we've discussed this, and you've done acid before, but, <laughs> like, literally, you watch this movie, and the way it's shot, like, it's about this guy who, like, has this, like, group of people who, like, worship him like he's a god, and he, like, walks like walks past Nicolas Cage's wife, Maggie, and, like, he's, like, a, a lumberjack, so he's off at work, and, like, goes past her, like, meets her, and he falls in love with her, and he's, like, you have to go get me that girl. So they go and fucking almost beat Nicolas Cage to death, kidnap his girl, and then he just goes psychotic. They, like, leave him for dead. He goes psychotic. He fucking makes a giant, like, demon-slaying axe, and he goes after them. And the whole movie, you're literally, like, in scenes, the way they're shooting, they're, like, melting the girl's face into the guy's face back and forth. And, like, the, the things they're doing, you literally feel like you're on acid. Like, Whoa. you're getting, like, bo- like you're getting body chills and everything like it's insane it was so cool huh. and nicholas cage is so over the top but that's what it calls for it's like <laughs> bikers and like armor like like hired to kill him and he's like got like giant like flaming barrels with this giant axe and he's just fighting them medieval style while you're tripping on acid because the whole like everything in the background is like kaleidoscopes of light and just the background melting it's awesome damn yeah, it's it's crazy. It's like visual porn. It's it's like hard almost because like literally like if you've done acid like you start to get like flashbacks because it's so it's dead too on. Real. No, it's so dead on. It's like insane. Yeah, I, I might have to take that one slowly. That's what I'm saying. I, I bought it on Amazon. It took me two days to watch it. Yeah, I was like, this is a little rough. A beautiful mind has that effect too. If you've ever had bad experiences with hallucinogens. (laughs) Wow. Because you're losing your mind with him. And the way the movie's made is like, you don't know that he's losing it, which is why that, which is the genius of that movie is like, this conspiracy is all real until you realize you're the crazy one. Cause it's from his point of view in a way. Mm -hmm. So well done. Um, yeah, that, that has that same effect. Remember when Russell Crowe was on top of his game? Remember when Ron Howard was on top of his game? Yeah. 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 I didn't see all of Solo because I couldn't watch it. I did. Ooh, you actually finished it? Yeah, I finished it. I got through about... I've gotten through, I think, 15 minutes of it, and that was over the course of, like, two weeks. <laughs> I'll turn on, like, seven minutes at a time, and I'm like, I can't do it. 
I see. Like I'm, I'm different. I like won't turn something off. Ooh. I'll just sit there and especially like, like, like kind of like love affair movies, like anything Star Wars. I'll sit there and watch it. Yeah. You know. Right. Even if like you feel I like hear, a duty to. Yeah. Like I'll give it that much because. You know everything else is. That's how I feel about so Terminator much. movies. I have yeah. to go see. Them. I'll go see every Terminator movie. Like Terminator Two is probably my favorite movie of all yeah. time. Of all time. Of all time. Like I just I no love problem that. there. I love that movie. I love James Cameron. Uh, I love everything James Cameron. Oh, has dude, ever we could hit us. fucking Terminator in this show. Terminator oh just came on Netflix too. God. Actually, I said that my wife one. Yeah, and literally my wife goes, "Do you really need to watch that again?" And without hesitation, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I do need to watch that again." And she just started laughing. And then I came over here to do this. <laughs> this is why you're the host of the show. Oh. I'm just here. Oh, fuck. Terminator is so good. Dun, it means dun, so dun, much. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, you know what's also cool about this show? We're in the age right now of our podcast. Is We're in the age right now of <laughs> reboot the hell out of everything from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. So as newer movies come out, like we talked about off mic, Ghostbusters and stuff, mm-hmm. when new movies come out, that'll, we can totally talk about that new shit. Yeah, like, compare it to the original Terminator coming out. I'm actually kind of excited to see this because I heard James Cameron has a little bit to do with it. Yeah. And they're, they're like sequeling Terminator 2, like Judgment Day, and they're just like forgetting about everything else, which smart. But isn't that what they claim to have been doing in Gen Y, sis? Like, didn't James Cameron have this, like, press release, and he did this whole interview, and he's like, this is the true sequel to T2. No. And then we get fucking pops. No, I think, like, with that, I I, th- I thought he took himself away from that. He denounced... Uh, Salvation. Salvation, for yeah. sure. But Genesis, as I, call, I can't <laughs> call it Genesis, it, I don't know. Either way, I think with yeah. Linda Hamilton back, yeah, I, this I really seems like... With her back, I just wish like Eddie Furlong would like come out from under <gasps> that rock. Wait, he's not gonna be in this? I don't know. I don't know if he's alive. Oh my! I mean, when was the last time you saw him? Pecker, like the John <laughs> John, John, John Waters, Waters movie. I love John Waters. <laughs> oh, we could do some of that. Steve Buscemi, we could do Steve Buscemi movies. Tarantino, oh, so much we could do. All right, so let's loosely get back to Hard Target here. Um, Van Damme kicking the gas can toward the guy on the dirt bike. And then and shooting blowing it and blowing it up. up. Blows up a gas tank in midair <laughs> with a shotgun. And the gas tank's only like 10 feet from his own face. Yeah. And somehow he's so, unaffected. But it only, like, he shoots it from the back, so that means it explodes from the front. Of course. It doesn't explode I mean. out the side no. that was punctured. It explodes the other way. <laughs> it explodes whatever way he wants to. Yeah. That's how science works. Because he's a Jedi. <laughs> and then the see and then you're like if, as if that wasn't cool enough then the guy who he hits blows off of his fucking dirt bike still kind of so both him and the dirt bike then shoot through a glass window of course with even more fire behind mm-hmm because there's probably more flaming barrels behind them, like more gas, petroleum-based liquid-filled barrels behind. <laughs> it is New Orleans. I mean, that's there. like it's known for its oil drilling <laughs> in the Gulf there. Like, Remember the whole Amic? Oh. Uh, no, uh, what was it? Exxon BP? Valdez. BP. Oh, the thing that happened. The oil spill. That was in New Orleans. 
Oh yeah, good yeah. call. So Shit. there's plenty of explosive <laughs> liquid in New Orleans. Plenty of crude. That moon sh- moonshine. <laughs> Everyone's like good old Uncle Duvet. <laughs> he's got like a and that whole time I'm like, what is this lab he's got outside? It's fucking moonshine the whole time. Yep. I'm like, oh my god. Um Yeah, but yeah, with that that exploding gas can. That's <laughs> It's like the, the, the scene where Sven Olofsson, the, he plays the, the henchman. That's the guy who from um, uh, Mallrats. He's the security guard. What? Oh, LaFours? LaFours, yeah. The guy who he he shoots with like, he pulls, he like, the guy with the motorcycle helmet, he's like up against a thing and he like, he like cracks him with like the backhand and then he like kicks him in the head and he sees in the mirror the guy walk up on him and he turns like pulls his gun upside down out of the biker guy's <laughs> belt and he's like do 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 and he unloads the whole clip into the guy's chest and then spinning heel kicks the cigar out of his mouth and the guy falls and he's like sorry about your shirt <laughs> like that's that's LaForce <laughs> dude Sven Olofsson was like literally a henchman in every awesome action movie in the 80s he was in every single Schwarzenegger movie. Every single one. He was in Conan. He was one of like um James Earl Jones's uh False of Dooms, like main henchman. He was the guy that carried like the giant hammer. He didn't have a beard in it and he had like the bangs and the long hair, but Sven Olofsson. That's how I that's why I know his name. LaFours. Oh my god. So speaking of LaFours and Kevin Smith real quick, uh I saw in the title it said James Jacks produced this movie. Kevin Smith always talks about this guy Jim Jacks, who was like the main. He was the guy who was the most like he worked closest with him with Kevin Smith and Mosier on Mallrats because that was a Universal flick. That was like their first real studio made movie, uh, and he always talks about worshiping this guy Jim Jacks. But I'm not sure if it was Jim Jacks because he talks about another guy he idolized who like worshipped John Woo movies. It makes sense. I think it's coming together that that's the same Jim Jacks, which is funny because that would make sense that then yeah, he could get LaFours to be he could get a guy from Hard Target to be in his movie. Yeah, it's that's definitely him. (laughs) James Jacks produced raising arizona that's what his career oh, yeah. started with and that's what he came up through is the did, coen brothers yeah, yeah and then he did tombstone uh wow heart and souls hard target dazed and confused wow. village of the damned mall rats michael don't look back the jackal uh simple plan the mummy the gift the mummy return yeah, he did the mummy Rat series. race down to earth he did scorpion king he did all these movies intolerable the hunted that's a pretty badass movie with uh, you ever see The Hunted? Tommy Lee Jones, Benicio del Toro. The Hunted, no. Um, like Benicio del Toro is like a special forces soldier, and he trained with Tommy Lee Jones's character, who's based on a guy from Brick, New Jersey. What? Um, this guy like invented uh, it's the Tom. Oh God, he invented like the tracker knife. So like it's a knife you can buy. It's it's badass. It has every type of cutting edge on it, and it's for survival. So, like, he trains these special forces guys, and he teaches them how to make this knife out of stone that you can find almost anywhere, how to fashion it, how to survive, like, on nothing with just this knife for as long as you need to. 
and he like comes back from like war Benicio del Toro all shell shocked and he goes to find him in um it's either Seattle I think it's Seattle yeah it's either Seattle or Portland Oregon but it's up in the Pacific Northwest and he's all crazy so like at this point like he's like trying to contact like his ex-wife and like all this crazy stuff and Tommy Lee Jones is called in to like track him down to track so he's the hunted and then it's like a big <laughs> showdown and they both use the same tracker knife that they make out of stone of course it's pretty sweet actually so that's like yeah the bad guy good guy come together I like stories like that where like the bad guy and good guy have a similar origin and that's split somewhere um that's cool. Like, Hush is that way. Batman Hush. I love that scene. Fucking that's even my, Harvey Dent. It's like one of my favorite. Oh, man. Um, Jim Lee. So. Jimmy Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I really expected. So that one scene. And by the way, let's just talk about how cool the fucking scene was. When. Who's the main bad guy again? The the main. Not the main bad guy, but the main bad guy's henchman. Oh, his right-hand man, yeah. Pick. What is it, Pick? Pick, yeah. His name's Pick in the movie. I'm trying to think of his name. Oh, it's Verluse, but he plays Emotep from the Mummy series. Oh, so, which also makes sense because Jim Jacks produced that as well. There you well. go. And he got him to... He's in a lot of like action movies like that. He's never like the main guy or the main... Well, sometimes he plays the main bad guy if it's B-list enough. I guess this wasn't B-list enough for uh, for him to be the head honcho. Yeah, good old Lancey. Uh, but yeah, when he shoots the guy with the shotgun in the car, that uh, like the advertising guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one who like cuts his ear off. Yeah, dude. All right, that whole fucking scene. I was talking before about how like even. Movie wise, we were talking about that one horror movie that I thought in concept was really interesting because you never know. You never know what's going to happen next. Like any movie should, you know, surprise you and like you don't know what's coming because especially now we've seen even by the 80s, 90s, like we've seen every movie at this point. We know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, a slow mo shot, especially in an action movie where there's a hero. That's part of a story, any action story. It's like, you got a hero out there somewhere. You do not expect when you see a guy slow-mo, walk up with a shotgun, rack it slow, slow close-up, hand on the trigger, pulling slowly. You think at some point, this asshole is going to get roundhouse kick to the head. No, shotgun goes off just as fucking slow. <laughs> this guy's brains get blown out. In, I hate to say it, one of the most glorious headshot scenes of a film ever. Like, John Woo, again, brings art to, like, gruesome... I mean, it was graphic, but at the same time, very artistically done um, and unexpected. I was like, I just... I did not expect that guy to get his head blown off. <laughs> you, just, you didn't <laughs> see it coming? Like, no. You, you thought there was going to be some sort of heroic intervention? Yeah. Not for scum like that. No. And nope, another cool his, thing about Wu. He got Wu. his just desserts. <laughs> and that was another thing about Wu that I noted. Like, it's an action movie that you would think, because it's like high budget and stuff, wouldn't be as graphic. I guess this brings me into like, is does he get less graphic when the budget goes up? Like, is Face Off a little less graphic? Well, you got to think like that's is Broken Arrow less graphic. 
they're kind of like different types of movies. Like, I think Face Off... Well, I mean, Face Off really isn't less graphic. Well, they're taking faces off. You yeah, see they literally shit. see his... You see his face in like a reflection of like a glass. Like when he's sitting there, like when Caster Troy wakes up and he's not... He doesn't have a face. And he like burns all the doctors and kills them all and like all the FBI agents. And he's just on a ton of like painkillers and he's on the phone calling his guys to come get him. You see his faceless face yeah that's pretty graphic yeah and there's a lot of like there's a lot of shoot 'em up like big deaths in that movie there's a lot of deaths in that movie face off probably has more than hard target yeah that's cool about woo though like because a lot of action movies they don't necessarily play up the uh <laughs> play up the blood but this guy doesn't give a fuck that was a very well done uh yeah, well you know uh Face Off didn't have, like, the blood, kind of. Like, a little bit with the face thing, but most of it was, like, that Michael Bay, like, yeah. late 90s action. Where, like, the music's playing and, like, you know, explosions going everywhere and people are just blowing up or getting shot or getting thrown out of planes or... <laughs> it wasn't that, like, close-up, like... Because that's, like, like you said, it's it's a lower-budget movie. Yeah. And it's, like, a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, so you're not going to draw as many people. Like, it doesn't hit as wide an audience. You're going to get guys who like the people who like, like, those kind of action movies. Like, that has John Travolta, Nicolas Cage. Like, my mom picked out that movie for us to right. go see. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, like, you're going to get that draw. Cause like even That's if the reason a- I saw it the same night as Holland's Opus. <laughs> <laughs> well, Broken Arrow, at least. Well, Broken Arrow. It's <laughs> John Travolta. You see John Travolta, you're like, fucking A. Saturday Night Fever. Uh, and my stepmom, I think, she was like, oh, yeah, Christian Slater, he's cute. I'm like, yeah, totally. Totally. Cuffs. That's Cuffs. A good, I love Cuffs. Yes, that cu- Cuffs was awesome because the whole time right? he is breaking the third wall or the fourth wall. Yeah, good call. That was a good He, movie. like, explains, like, what's going on with his life the whole time. I remember loving that about that movie. I'm that like, movie he's talking awesome. to us. Like, the action was good. Yeah. Like, action, comedy... Action comedy. Yeah. Yeah. With some heart to it, because it was a, a love story at the center of it. Yep. He fell in love with Mila Jovovich. Young oh Mila Jovovich. God. She must have been young. In that. Yeah. When she was still, like, a supermodel. Oh, my God. Because it was, like, Cuffs and then, uh, like, one of my favorites, uh, Fifth Element. Yes, bitch. Dude, we... Fifth Element's you awesome. You just got me so excited to cover that movie. It's got Brucey Bruce in it. Chris yes. Tucker. Yes. Chris Tucker. Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman with that clear face thing. Tiny Zeus Lister. Is that who Chris Tucker is? No, that's the uh, the president of the United States. <laughs> the guy from Debo from Friday. Oh yeah, Debo's the president. And he's also Zeus in No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan. Who the fuck made Fifth Element, dude? That movie is crazy. Fifth Element was somebody cool, especially like pre CG. Think about that movie conceptually, like. That was a high-budget... High-budget space space. action. And, like, the whole, like, mythology stuff, like, with all the elements. earth, wind, fire stuff. Yeah, like, finding, like, the pyramids. Yeah, it was very mythological, very sci-fi. Neo. There was, like, all those Neo cities and shit. Blade Runner-y in a way. Very Blade Runner-y. And then comedy. A lot of dark comedy in there. Yeah. Weird sexual shit with mm-hmm. Chris Tucker in the 90s before people were doing that in a big way. That movie is off the fucking rails. Oh, it was Luke Besson. 
Who is that? So he did Leon the Professional. Oh, the Professional. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the original is called Leon the Professional. The original is called Leon the Professional. Yeah, the Professional with. Yeah, with uh, Jean Reno. Yeah. And Gary Oldman. Yeah. Like when it was first released in France, it's called Lyon. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, like Lyon, that was what it was called. But isn't he Italian, that guy? Luke Besson? No, he's French. No, but the professional is a French guy? Yeah, Jean oh. Renault. His name is Jean Renault. Oh, it's been so long since I saw that. I guess I just thought I was an Italian guy when I was a kid. I only saw that movie all the way through when I was a kid, and I never saw it after that. The movie's a little creepy. Yeah, looking back, right? Because like she's like a young. nine-year-old Natalie Portman, like, and he's teaching her how to kill people, and there's like weird sexual tension between them. There is, like, dude. there's a, like a lot of weird sexual tension between them. Yeah, and we got Luke Besson do like the the Watchmen too. <clears throat> I thought he did. Yeah, Professional was fucked up. A it was a really good movie. It was like crazy how it ended. I never expected that in a million years. No, I didn't either. Gary Oldman was awesome in that. Oh, my God. Gary Oldman's just awesome. He just lights up that whole family right in front of her. Yeah. That's the beginning of the movie. Is a girl watching her entire family get killed by this and guy. Then has and he's got like keep, a smile on his face. And he has to keep, she has to keep walking past that scene, carrying groceries and holding her tears and hope that this guy answers the door. Otherwise, she's dead, too. It's like, that shit's crazy. And then he, like, lets her in. A lot of these movies, and that was included. <clears throat> I'm a house cleaner. <laughs> like, I always remember for some reason where I saw movies, or a lot of time I do. That was one of, like, when HBO was free at my mom's house. Shit like that. Like, and, you know, she'd be asleep or, you know, at work or whatever. Um and I catch HBO. So I saw a lot of movies I should not have seen in the 90s because oh. of that. <laughs> uh, when I grew up, I had like, like my uncle to watch me who was like 24 at the time. So all I did, like that's how I saw all these action movies. Like they would come out, he would rent them on VHS and bring them home. Like, yo, bro, we're going to watch Die Hard 2 and Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> like <laughs> those were like the best days get out of like kindergarten early and come home i just remember sitting in the living room like watching die hard like kindergarten watching die hard yeah like my dad would just robocop i saw robocop when i was super young my brother too terminator so 2 violent. think about it terminator 2 is 1992 91 well like vhs release because oh, yeah, i'm yeah, not gonna right. go to, I, like i wasn't gonna be allowed to go to the theaters to see it but i could rent it You're right as soon as that thing was rentable i rented it because I had already seen the first one. I knew the story. Like, that was awesome. And then we bought it. My little brother was My grandma used to be able to recite lines from it because of how often my brother would watch that. Like, as like an eight-year-old. He'd be homesick from school, and he'd watch Terminator 2 and RoboCop and The Land Before Time. Those three movies in a loop. Like, watch them back to back and then restart it. fucked up loop of movies. That's because, like, like, we love those movies. I love all three of those movies. Robocop? It's amazing, dude. Ah, RoboCop is so awesome. RoboCop is one of the best Speaking of, like, hyper-violent action. Like, that's why I love Starship Troopers. Because same director. And Frank Miller wrote it. Frank Miller wrote RoboCop 2. Yeah, he wrote RoboCop 2. And he also wrote starship troopers did I he think. 
He has some involvement with Starship Troopers. Well, it makes sense. It's, yeah, it's Paul Verhoeven. Like, it's the exact same Oh, Verhoeven thing. did... Starship Troopers. Oh, that makes total sense, Yeah, too. that's why it's, like, it's, like, almost identical. Like, with all the, like, the satirical, like, like news media. Like, all that. Which you get in Dark Knight Returns as well. Yeah. It's... Wow. Solid. solid. That's, like, the best part. Like, in RoboCop, where they're going through and you're watching, like guys like they're going through the building to like where like robocop's being built and you just see a guy on the outside and he just commits suicide just like and crashes through the car a car that they were just advertising in a commercial they just ran in the middle of the movie like come on that's so cool besides the hyper violence the hyper violence had to be like that because it was such a satire yeah because they were just making fun of everything and then they're like all right and check this out like we just shot every body part off this guy. <laughs> now we're gonna make him into a robot, half robo, half human, RoboCop. <laughs> Dead or alive, you're coming with me. It's oh, so, so classic. damn good, so classic. And it's like still in that age where they were doing like Harryhausen type stuff for the bigger RoboCop models. So the movement of these huge robots just looks so primitive now mm-hmm. pre-cg yeah it looks so fake but that's oh, they oh, were so awesome that's the charm man and then even two two was really good too i don't mind three i've seen three a bunch of times yeah actually. pretty sure two was the frank miller i forget what, how yeah, it worked but two was frank miller because that's when he got on i'm pretty <laughs> sure two and then he started writing the comic or was he part of the comic because the comic came out after the movie Maybe he he just wrote two. Maybe he wasn't part of the comic. But anyway, we keep getting off of Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's all right. I mean, again, it's all 90s. Um, I guess, yeah, we could start to wrap some ending stuff at the end when Van Damme's got the main bad guy dead to rights. Emil, I believe his name is. Lance Hendricks' name is, I believe, Emil. Hunting season is over. Yeah, hunting season's over course you got to throw those in oh you need a, you need a couple God. of those throughout a movie like like sorry about the shirt because he just shot the guy 18 times in the chest he apologizes about the shirt he doesn't apologize that after he shot him 18 times he spinning heel kicked him <laughs> he doesn't say like sorry for beating a dead horse he says sorry about your shirt and it's like a hawaiian shirt <laughs> gotta have those one-liners and they have to be like that. And plus, you forgot to mention, he drops a grenade into his pants, and headbutts him, and says, hunting season's over. Oh, that's the grenade headbutt scene? Yeah, he drops it, and then he, <laughs> he like, reaches into his pants. Like, after he really like, takes him a minute, he's like, oh, man, that was a wicked headbutt. Uh, uh, oh, wait, he put a grenade down my pants. And then he, like, reaches in, grabs it unscrews it and pulls it out the fuse out before it goes off but it's close enough that the spark hits and then you see Emil just go oh yeah that was so cheesy (laughs) I was like that's how the bad guy dies oh my god that's how he dies that's how and that's the story of how Chance got on that ship yeah, that's how he got his $217. <laughs> to, to pay his union dues to get the Which, job as a even better, seaman. They could have followed all that up with that ridiculous $217 motivation, him going back to the docks, making out with her at the end. Instead, what happens right after he shoves 
the grenade down the guy's pants. The second the action is complete, credits. Credits. Bone on the bayou. Uh, just straight to credits. Like, fucking 80s, 90s movies did this all the time. This is something I've noticed um, going back and watching older movies now. And then also just a frustration with how movies end now. Watch 80s, 90s movies, dude. It's like the second the story's over, credits, bitch. Yeah. They and just, now, they just kill the lights. And I can't help but think, I complain about the running time of all these newer movies. If you just did that, you're saving yourself a solid 20, 15, 20 minutes at least. At least. So if these movies are going like two and a half, I mean, dude, I don't, not to get into it because we're trying to wrap up here, but like, I think a prime example, if we're talking over the top action, Aquaman, two hours and 24 minutes. This fucking movie was. Did you see it? No. No, I didn't. I'll, I mean, I'll wait till it's on some sort of free access. I mean, the only... My recommendation to see it in the theaters is... Go see it. Bring a vape pen. Be ready at any moment to get up and walk out. Walk back in. Every time you walk back in, you're going to see some really cool shit you've never seen before. Really? <laughs> really amazing action. Oh, yeah. It's a That's great action insane. movie. But... Don't fucking sit there for all two hours and 24 minutes. Me not taking a piss because I was worried to miss something was the thing that pissed me off most about that movie. Because there were, it was like four Aquaman movies stacked on top of each other. I'm expecting to see some ridiculous action in an hour and 20 minutes and going home. Fucking running time, a hard target. Hour and 36. Like, yeah, 96 in and minutes. Out, bitch. That's all you needed. It's like, we're going to crank out a whole bunch of these. These are the most popular things ever. But it's also all you need, period. Like, No, it's true. I mean, come on. I mean, I guess like there are certain situations, I guess, that it calls for it. Or that, like, I guess it doesn't. Maybe, like, dramas or weird movies yeah. like Pulp Fiction, where it's, like, basically an anthology movie. Yeah, but, like, how long is Pulp Fiction? It's, like, two, two hours and a half. Is it? But it just doesn't seem that way because it's so well done. But yeah, it's also, it's if you awesome. think about it, though, it's also, like four movies put together yeah so it's long for a reason like oh yeah goodfellas like is like Grindhouse. the story of a man's life yeah two and a half hours uh, fucking aquaman fuck you hard target hour and a half mm. <laughs> that's all you need cobra 84 minutes <laughs> which one's cobra stallone he's 84 minutes he's uh vincent cabretti <laughs> tough nose la cop he carries a... Uh, Cobretti. So they Cobretti. take the name Cobra and mix it with something Italian. His name is, yeah, Vincent Cabretti. <laughs> oh, my God. And that's why they call him Cobra. He always has a matchstick, has a toothpick. He drives a 32 Ford, badass. And he's got a, a, a 45 caliber that he keeps in his belt with a Cobra on the ivory handle. And he always has a knife. Of course. And he has to protect uh, Bridget Nielsen. In her heyday, that's when they were dating, Stallone and Bridget Nielsen. Oh, shit. Like, right around Rocky Four. I was going to say, why do I know that name? That was his girlfriend, right? Yeah, it was Drago's wife. Uh, the one that also did the reality shows with uh, Flavor Flav, because they were in love. Oh, Gite, my God. Red Sonja. Stallone was in that, or Schwarzenegger was in that movie. Red Sonja. Oh, yeah, because that was the... He was fake Conan, because... It technically wasn't in the Conan universe, and uh, they couldn't get the rights for it probably because why would they ever give that to 
a Red Sonia movie, and he just dressed like Conan, and they didn't call him it. No way. Like, everything was the same. And it was Schwarzenegger. It was Schwarzenegger. I didn't know that. Long hair. And Bridget Nielsen was Red Sonia? Yeah. And the movie was about her. I heard they were rebooting Red Sonia. I mean, Red Sonia's cool, I guess. Barbarian chick. I love the Conan. Like, the... I love Conan, the first one. Oh, we could do those. That'd be fun. Are they 80s or 70s? That was 1980. 80? Yeah. John Milius, 1980. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. We could do a whole Milius series too, bitch. Can even do that. Global Films, right? Is that what it's called? The ones who did um, Masters of the Universe, uh, Death Wish, um what was it delta force my god they did all like they they owned all the 80s action like they did everything like that was their thing they did low budget action films they started in the 70s and they went straight through into the 90s they did like a ton of awesome ones they did cyborg with john claude van damme they own cyborg they, oh my god i forgot about that yeah, shit. cyborg i watched i think maybe i watched all of it that is a gem. Please let's watch Cyborg. Dude. Yeah, dude, I love Cyborg. Oh my god. It's funny too. Um so the original director who did Cyborg, <laughs> I can't believe I know this. So like the way he shot the movie uh, originally, well so first let's start off with Jean-Claude Van Damme got the got the job by being in their office waiting in the waiting room for like almost 2 hours and saw like like the head guy from it. There were two two brothers from Israel. And, like, one of them came in, and Jean-Claude Van Damme stopped him. He was like, you should put me in a movie. And he said, why? And he stood up, and he spinning heel kicked him and just, like, just missed his face. And he was like, done. Come with me. And he signed him to a contract, and he did Cyborg. Get the fuck out of yeah, here. It's a true story. And then, so, the guy who'd originally Wait, so directed... We'll what year is Cyborg, then? Cyborg is, like... Cyborg's, like, after, it's right around Hard Target. It's, like, early, mid-90s. So, even... Post Hard Target, he had to put himself out there like that? Well, that company was doing, like, all the action movies at that time. Like, they had, like, the stranglehold. They were doing, like, decently budgeted, like, action movies. And they were signing all the big stars. Like, they had Chuck Norris. Wow. They were doing all the Death Wish yeah, movies. Yeah, so he still had to prove himself, yeah. They did a uh, couple Stallone. Well, they had Stallone for Over the Top. They did Over the Top with Stallone, the ha uh, arm wrestling movie. And they did Cyborg, yeah. It's just, uh, Masters of the Universe. So they had like all like a lot of the big guys at that point, like most of them. They just didn't have Seagal. Seagal didn't do any movies with them. So anyway, so the guy who originally directed Cyborg shot the whole movie to be a horror movie. It was supposed to be like a super gory horror movie. <laughs> yeah, and the owners of the 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 production company didn't like the way it came out. So JCVD was like, fire him. Pay me a little extra, and I'll re-edit the movie. So Jean-Claude Van Damme re-edited the movie to be a straight action film. So it was just all shots of him. What? Yeah. Oh, Take so it. he's like, do some more shots with me kicking shit. No, no, no. Like, he took over. Like, the guy who originally did it and edited it made it a horror movie. They didn't like it. They fired him, took the whole movie, the whole shoot of it, and gave it to JCVD and let him edit it. So he edited it. To be like a feature length, like stunt show for him. That's why that movie With is footage like, that was already shot. Yeah, 
They didn't reshoot anything. He just re-edited everything they had shot already. Damn, he's a true filmmaker, this yeah, guy. He knows, wow. his, he knows what he's doing. <clears throat> but, like, he turned it from a horror into, like, that action movie. Uh, what a story. So if you watch it again, like, think of it as it's supposed to be shot to be a horror movie. And, like, everything makes so much more sense. Because <laughs> it's, like, really bad. Yeah. It's, like, really bad. Like, right. the story's all chopped up. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Is, like, negligible. Yeah. Like I said, it's supposed to be a horror movie. You're supposed to have those characters because, like, the crappier actors, the, the more no names you have, the less idea you have of who's going to die and who's going to live. Mm. So that's why, you know, like, a lot of, like, horror movies don't really have big-name people. I never thought of that. So that way, yeah, because, like, you know, you think about, like, a horror movie. Like, nowadays, they're going to, like, kill, like, the main guy. You know, like, what was it? D- uh, the shark movie with Samuel L. Jackson where he gets killed. Oh, yeah. Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea, yeah. He dies in, like, the first ten minutes. Yeah, he's in there for He's like, ah, and the shark just jumps up, grabs him, goes back in the water. It's like, like, they'll do it now because it's, like, spoof. But back then, you know, right. like, look at, look at Alien Resurrection. That was another one. Nobody in that movie. Nobody knew anybody in that movie besides Sigourney Weaver. So it was like anybody could get picked off by aliens. And Winona this, Ryder. And Winona Ryder, yeah. Who doesn't die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like you know those two are going to make it. But like the other, uh, I think Ron Perlman was in it too. Oh, was he? Yeah. I haven't seen Resurrection. How is Resurrection? Does it hold up? It's not bad. It's basically like they they cloned her. Um... Yeah, they got After she killed herself in three, out of the fucking lava or whatever. Yeah, right? it's like DNA from somewhere, and they cloned her so they can get the alien out of her because she was impregnated by a queen. Mm. Remember, because she fights the queen in the second and at the end of Aliens, and then in the third one, she's in the cryo sleep and she ends up at the prison, and uh, you find out at the end she's pregnant and like Bishop comes back. Oh yeah, yeah. our and boy then, from Hard Target. Full circle. <laughs> full circle. And she kills herself, but they reincarnated her, and they take the alien out of her. So in Resurrection, <laughs> she's part alien. Like, she has acid blood. Uh, she can smell. Oh, yeah. She can, like, hunt like them. So, like, the alien that it creates, like, her child that they, like, birth is, like, gross looking. Because it's, yeah, like, it's got, like, human, human skin. Thing? And it's like, <laughs> 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 It's like that uh what was it that South Park episode where like like FEMA it's like Stan won't vote so P Diddy's trying to kill him. It's like that. vote or die and he won't pick between the giant douche and the turd sandwich oh, so yes. he goes to the FEMA plant and it's like this is Jeff and his wife Clarice and it's like a goose. <laughs> like this is their son and it's like a half duck human he's like cow me. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, like what the alien child is in Resurrection. Oh, I mean, it's, it's it's all right. It's better than all the like the Alien versus Predator shit. Those movies. I never watched one of them. I couldn't bring myself to do it. Those movies chewed gum. They chewed were really... gum. <laughs> oh man! So yeah, Alien definitely will do. I, I I one of my favorite parts of recording this has been knowing that I'm going to go back and take notes, listening to this recording, going. We're making a series of this, of this, of, like, we're going to do Aliens, so much shit to do. 80s, 90s movies, man. Well, technically, we can't do Alien. We have to do Aliens, because if we're doing, like, most... Oh, well, if we're just doing 80s, 90s, we're You're not right, Alien limiting 179. it. 179. Is that why? Oh, and I was going to say, because if we were just doing uh, 
like action. Technically, that's a horror movie. Oh, we okay. We could just do action. No, 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 no. What, I forgot. We're just doing eighties and nineties all together. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we'll figure it out. Over we can time. consider that eighties. I think that's nineteen eighty, isn't it? Seventy nine is, is Alien it? One. Close enough. Yeah, it's fine. I give a fuck. It's fine. I mean, it's it's essentially an eighties movie because it so quickly like seventy nine. If it came, it could have come out like Christmas of '79. Yeah, if you're you're 1980. If you're the last year of the former decade, we round up. Ah. So we should look for some movies from like '78, '79 too. That'd be interesting to see. Well, also, what interests me too, uh, I mean, the fact that we can cover anything from like '79 up to '99, like the fucking Matrix, is still the '90s. Yeah, that is crazy. Toy Story, like weird movies that you just would not think are nineties. Toy Story, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely nineties. Toy Story. There's a lot of weird movies in the nineties. So much good shit. Remember the Indian in the cupboard? Yes. The movie was so weird. So weird, and I was. It's cool because I had actually I didn't read a lot as a kid. <laughs> I didn't uh, either. Goosebumps. Yeah. Oh my god, those I was obsessed with though. Yeah. Right? It's weird. Dumb shit. Because they were like 140 pages, and they were like semi-scary, so it was awesome. It was like that and like scary stories you tell in the dark, which they're turning into a movie, by the way. Wait, are you afraid of the dark? No, scary stories to tell in the dark. What's that? It was like a collection of books, and they were like anthology books, and it was like one, two, and three, and it was all like black and white pencil drawings of like, like even still, if you look at it like now, they were like pretty dark drawings. And then there were, like, scary stories, and there was, like, a bunch of them per book. So it was, like, it was called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, so, like, sleepovers and stuff. Like, you could tell them camping, whatever. And it was like, uh, that was the idea. I used to just read them shits because they were, like, they were good. And they're turning it into a movie. It comes out either this year or next year. Oh, shit. It's directed by the same, this, this, what is he, Swedish or from Norway? The guy who directed Troll Hunter. Okay. You ever see Troll Hunter, or do you know no, about Troll Hunter? No, but that's the um, Guillermo show on Netflix, right? That's Troll Hunters, plural. But is that the same thing? It's literally about like a guy who hunts like mythical trolls. No, this is like a kid show on Netflix. CG. No. Yeah, no. Troll Hunter is like about like a guy like this uh, group of like college kids are like doing like like a documentary and they're like trolls exist or no they're looking for oh maybe it is they're after trolls and they find out about this guy that they hear is like a troll hunter for real and they like they go and follow him and it's like all first person camera and this guy is like like they like they keep trying to get him and he's like no leave me alone and he's like it's like I'm a bear hunter and then they like sneak and follow him and literally you see him and he's like they go out and like into the woods and you see him he's got like UV light because like sunlight like kills like turns trolls into stone and he's got like weapons for specific trolls and it literally goes around like Norway, Sweden, like that whole area like Viking territory and he fights trolls. What are they big or small? Like they're all different sizes. <clears throat> like that's the whole thing. There are ones that are like like trees, like they're trees during the day and then at nighttime, when the sun goes down, they come out from, like, being a tree. <laughs> like, there are other ones that are smaller, that, like, stack on top of each other. And then, like, the one at the end is literally, like, 50 stories high. And they're driving a truck with, like, a giant spotlight that's UV light, like, blasting at it. In, like, a snowstorm in the middle of nowhere. Like, on in, like, Greenland. <laughs> like, spinning around. It's so epic. 
It's all in English. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so epic. Dude, because it is, because it's like, like to us, it sounds crazy, right? You know, like, it's kind of like the leprechaun thing in Ireland. Like, that's their scary, that's right. their boogeyman. Yeah, yeah, good call. Like, up, like, in, you know, like, Viking territory, like, Iceland, yeah, Norway, trolls, Sweden. Trolls. <laughs> like, it's crazy, but that's their thing, trolls. Mountain trolls, cave trolls. And, like, that's what this movie's about. This guy fights them. <laughs> and like brings these people along with him like yeah you want to document this then document it but like you need to know how to fight trolls like sunlight turns them into stone certain weapons work on certain ones he's like that's what my van is filled that's with that's dope yeah it's like their vampire is the fucking troll yeah exactly like right. that's their that's their universal monster we got the jersey devil <laughs> i guess <laughs> No, we have slasher motherfuckers running around in America. That's right. We have serial killers. We have uh, real life. You guys have had a couple of them. We have them all. <laughs> we create these fucking things. Yeah. Oh, my God. The mothers uh. in the United States create serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it all is. It's and some, it's not a conspiracy. It's a woman. That's very real. It's very real. Just watch that Netflix Ted Bundy tapes. <laughs> that shit was crazy. Uh. Oh, man. All right. So, um, closing thoughts on Hard Target, 1993. Jean-Claude Van Damme. What's his name? Chance. What is it? Chance Boudreau. <laughs> Chance Boudreau. Boudreau. The whole movie, I think I think Lance Hendricks' character screams Boudreau with, like, his veins exploding <laughs> in slow motion spinning around looking at the sky like, Boudreau, more than he says anything else in the movie. What are some other just stinker lines of this movie? Like, I don't get angry. I'm a professional. Yeah. So dumb. South African Billy Zane. <laughs> yeah, he does look like Billy Zane. Yeah, and he's from South Africa. That's <laughs> Billy Zane's from South Africa? No, that, that guy is. Oh, okay. Billy Zane's good old American boy. Is he? He was a sniper too, man. The Phantom. The I always Phantom. think of him as the Phantom. He's the dickhead in Titanic. Dickhead in Titanic. <laughs> Billy Zane. Trust your friend Billy Zane. He's cool. Uh, there's a 90s movie. Ooh, you know what we could do? That just made me think. 90s comic book movies that were unsuccessful. <laughs> there's so many of them. Not so many, but like you got The Shadow, Dick mm. Tracy, yep. Phantom, uh, even the shitty Batman movies. The shitty Batman movies. Mo- actually, all of them are the Rocketeer. Shitty. Rocketeer. I, I like the Rocketeer. The I, I did too. Was that good? I didn't mind it. I remember loving it as a kid. But it was like, like that was like uh, Rocketeer was like propaganda comic books. So like, Kay. they made the movie just like it. Like he fought a Nazi. It's like Art Deco fucking fighting the Nazi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was it was exactly like that. So it's like imagine like <laughs> imagine like a uh, a less dark. Gotham City on like Batman the Animated and like instead of the Cape Crusader it's a guy with a rocket pack and a really cool like you know he looks like all like the giant like he looks like the Oscar right but he's fighting crime but he's fighting Nazis during World War 2 I'm fucking in you know it's like it's like a superhero version of Indiana Jones because it's like just pre World War 2 so it's probably like the 1930s I mean, it's not bad. 
Like it's it's kind of a dumb movie, but it, like it's not bad. Like you watch it and you're like, oh, this is cool. Like I get it. I get what they're doing. Yeah. This is like the first Captain America. That'd like, be a good reboot too. Fucking Rocketeer. Rocketeer and like I see. I I've never read any uh, of the comics. I never have either. But dude, fucking Art Deco with the CG they got now. Yeah. That shit you could really like really let him rip with like the rocket pack. Yes, bitch. Or like the planes and stuff because he's like a pilot. And it's like the Red Baron style, like planes at that point. Oh, with the scarves and the goggles? Yeah. I would fucking have a cream dream in that. Like, there are obviously the upgraded planes because you're heading into World War II, so there are like the bombers and, you know. It's fantasized. But but at the same time, it's. Yeah, I, mean, I, I saw that in theaters and I've seen it a few times afterwards. I'll admit that. The Rock. Bought that Funko Pop shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rocketeer. So yeah, um, hard target overall. I it was honestly it was so like I was so enjoyable through and through. Even the and then the parts any of the that was bad was so bad that it was just funny. Yeah, I mean, and there were moments that I was seriously like I have not had this much fun. I have been so embedded in the DC universe and like. Batman is is fun in its own way, but it's also very serious and like takes itself very serious. And it's a lot of it's so well done that it is in fact serious. Um, uh, and even my personal iterations that I like the most out of it are the ones that don't take itself too seriously. Like I like I tend to like like the animated side, like the lighter sides of it. Even that stuff, it's kind of not so whatever. This was just pure fucking. Fun. Like, yeah, I was dying laughing, taking these notes that I was. I mean, just the amount of lines and the mullet and like, it's like everything about it, the way they set things up. Because like the, the the movie's not the like the the story's not the point. None of not that's the at point. All. The whole point is to like get these guys like kicking that much ass <laughs> on film and like making like a night TNA ninety six minutes total nonstop action thrill ride. TNA total nonstop action. Yeah. I've never heard that. It's like the, yeah, it's a wrestling federation. They call it TNA, and they call when it I hear total... TNA, I would have thought tits and ass. Tits and ass. Well, I would say T A A because I use proper spelling and grammar. Ooh. <laughs> but yeah, no, I never. Heard, I like that one better. TNA total nonstop action. That's good. Oh my god, and it is. Yeah, I. And I think in rapping also, you know, part of the show is to we're – we're going to, whether we like it or not, compare it to stuff now because it's a time show. Like it's of the 80s and 90s that we're looking at. Yeah, I can't and you, help always, to, you always compare the new to like right. what you hold dear and what you grew up with. Like this is like – this era of movies is like that's, that was my childhood, you know. That's like – I'm so like special. eight when this movie came out, right? Nine when this movie came out. So, yeah, like we're going to compare naturally, but I also think it's something that's missing for movies now. And I, I don't just think it's because we're older or whatever. I just think that, like these movies, there needs to be more of this kind of like just fun to a movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it was, though. Yeah. Didn't take itself too seriously. No. The only thing it took serious was like, like the action, like it, they kept it fun, and like you said, like 
that's 100% like the the parts that were so bad like you laughed at and like you felt fine like while you're watching it out loud making fun of this movie like literally talking smack to the people on the screen about like what they just said and you're like almost embarrassed for them and then all of a sudden the action kicks back in and you're like yes yes like you're having so much fun with this the whole time Um, it doesn't like lose you for those 96 minutes one way or another no yeah and then it and then it's quick and to the point yeah this this era of movies was so nice so good awesome so you want to wrap there yeah that works awesome uh so yeah this has been episode one of we still don't have a title but 80s 90s movie cast for now how's that yeah that's fine <laughs> that's good oh right, we have a title now beautiful now, now we have a title now that was hard <laughs> I just throw something out there <laughs> no that was fun though yeah it was good awesome all right